Hello. Welcome to Why Not Both. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I'm a musician and therapist in Los Angeles. Why Not Both is all about how our multiple passions inform our identity. And this season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine and produced by Laura Studeris. If you like what you hear, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and come spend time with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, and that is both on Instagram and on Twitter. This week, we are joined by the ultimate multi-hyphenate, Lane Moore, who does more things than I actually know how to list in a description, but some of them involve writing, others of them involve comedy, and some of them also involve going on Tinder Live in front of a group of people. In conclusion, she's pretty amazing. I hope that you enjoy this week's interview. Well, Lane, welcome to Why Not Both. Yay, thank you. Yay. So I always ask people, I used to ask people, what do you do? Um, and then ask a follow-up, but I'll just ask the follow-up because it's a better question, which is what's a better question than what do you do? I actually don't hate the question, what do you do? Um, because I'm really proud that I do all the things that I said I was going to do as a little kid. <laughs> so, you know, I think the only thing I get frustrated with is when people seemed overwhelmed by the hyphenate or like uh, things like that, um, because I don't have the like, I'm a one thing. I'm a lots of things. So, you know, it also depends who's asking in the context. But in this context, um, yeah, in this context, I don't, I don't hate that question. So what I do is I'm a comedian, author, actor, writer, musician, director, person who has a dog. <laughs> Amazing. I'm like, tell me more about the dog. Yeah, exactly. Fair. Totally fair. <laughs> <laughs> Are there videos? Can I see the dog? Oh, she has an Instagram. <laughs> she's on my Instagram a lot too. But um, yeah, her name is Lights. Uh, she's a Chihuahua who's constantly smiling. So, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, she's special. She's not. She's not like other dogs. I'm just kidding. Every dog is special. But it, I will say that you know every like even people who are like I love dogs like they meet Lights and they're like oh this dog is there's something extra. And I'm like, I know, I know. Like every dog is wonderful. I'm a big fan of dogs, but like she's, she's a special little cherub. Any dog that looks like it's constantly smile, smiling is just a little bit, there's a little bit more. You're like, ah, you're like constantly validating me. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it's very silly, but yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to insta stalk you. Um, <laughs> So you had spoken to like that you actually like being the multi-hyphenate. It's just people's reactions to it. Like what is people's usual reactions when you tell them all of the stuff that you do? You know, it really varies. It varies on the year that I was talking to them. It varies on which person I'm talking to and what context. Um, I feel like the cool thing about living in New York is that when I tell people that I do all these things, they're like, oh my God, that sounds so awesome. I feel like if I was in LA, it's like, you'd get the like, yeah, 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 I'm sure. And you're like, nobody, do. all right, bye. Um, like, you know. Um, you do all those things. Yeah, and it's like, but I do. And, you know, I think uh, as my career has progressed and I've received uh, validation for all of the things, not that, you know, I mean, obviously we all know that like finding external validation <laughs> in, in yourself is a risky business, but you know, um, I always think about, uh, I had, I had written for the onion and, and done all these things and, you know, had, had felt really solid in, in my writing and, and people reading it and, uh, feeling like, yeah, I'm a really solid comedy writer, really, um, really solid comedian. And I have a comedy show Tinder live. And like when that first started taking off, it was like, I felt like, yes, I feel validated as a comedian. I feel validated as, um, you know, cause we've, we, as a culture view validation as like, well, who, which major, uh, places like validate that, that you really do this, you know? Right. And, um, so I felt like I had received that validation as, as a writer that like, yes, you are a writer. Yes, you are a comedian. And then, uh, in 2015, my band, it was romance put out our first record 
And I remember seeing that it was on like Pitchfork's albums to watch this summer. And I like pulled over my car. I was traveling and like cried. And I was like, you did it all. Like, it just felt like it's happening. Like you don't have to, because as a society, like we, we really do look for signs. Like there's like an investigation that's done. (laughs) Um, You know, when you say that you're a multi-hyphenate and um, which is really silly on a lot of levels, but I just remember thinking, hell yeah. Like I knew that like nothing I do has ever been like a little thing I do for fun. Not that there'd be anything wrong with that, but like, you know, I'm, I'm a really strong songwriter and I'm a really strong performer, whether that's comedy or music. And, you know, um, I've been doing these things since I was a child in, in equal measure, all of them. And I never wanted to have to to choose that. And so receiving uh, recognition from these really prestigious places just felt really healing to that little kid who's like still inside of me, who was told for so many years, like, which one are you going to pick? And I was like, none, I'm going to do all these and I'm going to do them really well. (laughs) I was going to say when you, when you first described them, I was like, ah, you contain multitudes. I like this in a person. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, why would you like that? It's so funny that like that that's something that we like view with skepticism, even though we know that like most people contain multitudes and it's just so it's so strange. But I think that, you know, one thing I'm definitely grateful for is that like um so not to like get too ahead of myself, it's just that like this was a big question. So I'm gonna unpack a couple things and then you can decide how we want to unpack. <laughs> You can pack however you like, you can decorate, you can light. Right. Yeah. Whatever you want to, whatever you want to touch. (laughs) I'm just going to pull some things out of my bag, like Mary Poppins. There's going to be a music career, a book. I have a comedy show. It's a really small bag full of a lot of things. That is how I feel. Oh my God. That's fantastic. There's a Tiffany lamp in there somewhere. I just know it. Absolutely. Oh my God. I can only hope. I would just really like that for my home. Um, I whittled it. Like, totally. But I have a book called How to Be Alone If You Want to and Even If You Don't. And when I was recording the audiobook, um, I read the audiobook as well. Um, but I recorded the uh, my own intro music. Uh, for the beginning of the audiobook and for like any little breaks or whatever. And so the audio, the intro is like me playing um, a song on guitar. And then there's a point in the book where I talk about a song that I had written that's like very specific to, um, uh, to a story I was telling about someone I was dating. Mm-hmm. And I ended up singing on the audiobook too. So it was just like this dream of like being seen in all of these ways. And then there are people who are finding out about the music from the audiobook because they're like, whoa, you can really sing. And like, that song's awesome. And I want to hear more. And I'm like, go look at them. So it's like, <laughs> you're like, that's right. Yeah, but it's really, it makes me really happy because, you know, when you have a lot of different interests, you're like, man, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? How are people going to understand this? And it's like, I'm really proud that like, I've been able to find a way to weave them all together or keep them all in this big bag and just having to pull out whenever. <laughs> like, What's in that little purse? And I'm like, the world! You're like, a set of flags. <laughs> my oh, yeah, like, wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, I direct my own music videos a lot of the time. And like, you know, I've directed all of them so far. And it's just like, it really is just like, you know, this manifestation of that little kid. It was like, I want to direct this and I want to do this. And I want to, and just had so much to say and so much she was capable of. And people were like, can you just pick one? We're exhausted by you. (laughs) That's exactly, I was thinking about that, that one, I'm like, it seems like the guiding force of this is basically like baby lane going around being like, no, this is all the stuff I want to do. Look at me do this. I'm doing this stuff. Um, totally. and, <laughs> like balancing, you know, balancing the time and energy to do some of those things, because I think that some people do really like, and I, I personally don't understand these people and probably should talk to them so I can, but like people that dedicate all of their time and energy to one thing, like genuinely confuse me. Dude, I know, <laughs> I know. And I'm, 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 I'm a little, sometimes I get really envious of it for sure, because the world understands that so much more easily and you're going to have an easier time. For sure. I mean, and I see it all the time with, I mean, you know, 
I see it all the time with like someone being like, oh my God, this man is the next big thing because he hosts an open mic and oh. <laughs> and it's like, that's it. That's all he needs to do. And, you know, I think it's worth noting that whether or not I was, you know, somebody who has all of these passions that are all so equal, uh, we require more from women. We would never just be like, this woman has an open mic, she's the next big thing. Like that would never be enough. And I wish that it was, but it's like we require women to like, hey, can you go become a pro at like 30 things and then we'll see if one of them is kind of good enough for us. <laughs> and like, it's just ridiculous. And then even then it's like, then you, ugh, it's just, I was going to say, I laugh as a defense mechanism. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's like, so it's interesting because I do feel like that's something that uh, certain people are allowed to just have one thing and others, it's going to be a little bit harder for them if they just have one thing. So I, I do think that it's, I wonder sometimes, you know, if uh, women are, um, um, I don't know anybody who's just like, not, not a dude or, you know, not a cis straight white dude. Um, do they do multiple things cause they want to, or are they just like trying to find the door? Because that I also relate to. Yeah. When you were saying about the multiple publications and it, it literally just popped that like Carolyn Polachek song in my head of like, you open a door to another door to another door. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> So, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I want to do, I want to do so many things. So yeah, if, it, if this one door wasn't opening, I was like, all right, I'm going over here and see you later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the, that's that tenacity though. That's the like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come in. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna, it makes me sound like a murderer, but it's like, <laughs> I'm gonna do what I'm born to do. Like, I'm gonna do it. That's what I'm supposed to do. What is that? I was going to say, like, what is that game show that I'm like, is it every game show where it's just like, what's behind door number one, where it's like, you wanted to know what's behind all of the doors, and you were just kind of frolicking from door to door. Uh, right, you just want to be led into a door. You don't even care. <laughs> it's just like a sea of dead mice. You're like, yes, I'm in the door, though. <laughs> I made it. It's an R.L. Stein book from, like, 1997. It's great. Yeah, whatever. I mean, also, that sounds amazing to me. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> I think that part of it is that tenacity that you said, and part of it is like, in some ways, it's awesome that you did initially, even as a kid, have all these passions, because then you have a multiplicity of doors to choose from, because I could imagine that if I were just trying to bang down one door repeatedly, if that door wasn't opening, I personally would get really, really frustrated. I probably would keep trying because I'm insanely stubborn, um, but... <laughs> Yeah. it's really nice and you can be like well I'll just try these like seven other doors and also I've noticed I don't know if this happened for you but when one door opened then people see they're like oh well you got in one door can I open some of these other ones for you and you're like what what where are you for door number one totally totally but it's also like many times I have built my own door like many times I was the door who opened my door like I, like I was, I was the person opening it. Like you know, um, you know, like sometimes you have to build your own door, and then people will be like, "Oh my god, you got into that door!" And you're like, "Yeah, that I had to build." <laughs> you're like, "I made it myself." <laughs> right, but it's like, you know, but you do, you know, you do whatever you got to do. That's what I think. I like, I like hearing the sheer force of tenacity in what you're saying, because in a way it kind of is in contrast to then the external validation that you were talking about, that it's like, totally, you do get validation from the outside, but if you're going about building your own doors, I think that that speaks to internal validation as well. That's also, that's also really true. I mean, in that, you know, and you kind of toggle between the two and like one might inform the other, like receiving external validation from this thing might give you the confidence to build your own door to something yeah, else. Yeah. But you're like, oh, well, I thought that like this door opening would have led to like this other door. It hasn't. That's fine. I'm going to build a door and like the other doors will open then. I don't know why. Like maybe this door is broken. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> it's basically like your own, your own locksmith. You're just like, this is fine. I can sort this out. Kind of, or I'm like in Lost or something. It's just so oh my God. <laughs> this door's in the woods. <laughs> it's on an island that's deserted. Oh, all right. 
Wood. I got a hammer. I got a. I got a dirty tank top. <laughs> it's a really, really stylishly dirty tank top. Oh yeah, no, I look amazing. <laughs> yeah, you somehow look brilliantly put together despite being on a deserted island for like, you know, what was it, like seven eternities that they were there or something? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh my God. All this is really working for me. It's a comparison. (laughs) (laughs) There's a smoke monster. Occasionally people drop by with submarines that may or may not be nefarious. Yeah. 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 This is all working. Oh my God. Yeah, this is like lost. Yep. So you mentioned I was intrigued by you mentioned that you had a show called Tinder Live, and I'm like, yes. tell me more about that. That piqued my interest along with your dog, clearly. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so I've been doing uh, for years now uh, a comedy show called Tinder Live with Lane Moore, and uh, I um, so every single month uh, I live in New York City, and so I had the idea to start a comedy show that would be me going on my Tinder live on a big projector screen and the audience would vote whether I swipe right or left. And then I would talk to the weirdest men they can find on Tinder. I don't talk to like super nice dudes. The only talk to the weirdest men we can find. Um, <laughs> I have a panel um, of, of uh, people who help me analyze the profiles with me, things like that. Um, and then I talk to the weirdest guys in a character of what often I find uh, the weirdest profiles on Tinder are really receptive to, which is a woman who's just like, uh, something's kind of, oh, that's my, that's the dog. There's a- Oh my gosh, hi, Bubus. Here's someone up the trying to, he's trying to warn. Um, Oh, uh, she's doing a big protect. Yes, exactly, she's doing much protect. Um, So, I talk to them in a character that I find that, you know, they often respond to. Uh, and by often, I mean, consistently. Um, <laughs> I like somebody who's like, it out. Yeah. Somebody who's like super drunk, very unintelligent, but incredibly horny. And <laughs> so like, you know, I just have these ridiculous conversations with them and I've been doing it every month in New York city, um, for years now. And, uh, I'm about to go on a like 40 city national tour in the next month or so. Wow. You like super built your own door on that one. Yeah, for real. (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly what you were speaking to of like, huh? Okay. The threshold for women is like, not just, Oh, I'm going to host an open mic, but check this out. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, um, historically, even with dating shows, um, you know, we don't really have, we don't really have a show like this, um, really. That's like, like I grew up with like next and blind date and like all these like really funny, weird and like eliminate and like all those really funny, weird, uh, yes. dating shows. I'm like, we don't really have that anymore. It's like a lot of what we have now is like the bachelor and like these really like serious, shows and like you know we also don't really have uh shows exploring online dating which is like what we're all doing and so um I have been online dating uh for most of my life which is like a whole other story uh since I was a kid it's a whole thing uh it's like kind of dark but kind of funny um but uh but yeah, and so I just really wanted to make it this, you know, it's totally improvised, like anything could happen. Like I literally walk out on that stage and I have no idea what's about to happen. <laughs> I don't have any, I can't, I can't have any jokes planned. I don't know what profiles are going to come up. Like it is, I always say it's like, it's like my version of like skydiving or parasailing because it's like, <laughs> I, I have no idea what's going to happen. No, and I, I have to make it funny. Oh my God. Well, and also I just thought about that if you're on tour then you get to actually match with people in the different cities, which is going to provide you with like a total weird variance of material. Oh, I mean, and I mean, New York is the same, New York is the same thing, you know, but it's just that there's so much, so many more people, but you'd be surprised even at the New York city shows, like, cause yeah, one of my favorite things about tour is that it's like, there's a smaller pool. So like the number of people who are like, I dated him. That's my brother. Blah, 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 blah. And like the audience gets really interactive and they're like, oh my God, that guy messaged me. Here's what he said. <laughs> and I'll like repeat stuff they said back to them. Like there's just so much fun that can be had. Um, 
but stuff like that happens in New York City. I had a show two months ago um, and there was a guy who came up and he was wearing uh, a different outfit in every photo, but he was in the same exact granite kitchen in the same exact pose. So when you flip through his Tinder, it looked like a flip book. (laughs) (laughs) Only his clothes changed. And oh my God, it's like an absurdist gif. Absolutely. So I shit you not, like 20 to 30 people in the audience in New York City. Okay, again, like a city with so many people. What are the odds? We're like, oh my God, I know him. I've seen his profile. I see him. He comes to my bar. I <laughs> I love, like everyone had these stories to the point where it then like ended up in an Atlantic article about this guy being like really notorious on Tinder. Oh. And, my God. Yeah. And so it's like, but that, so but that even happens in New York. Um, apparently this guy like deletes and puts his profile back on a lot. So, um, can you imagine why. having an Atlantic article about your Tinder profile? He seemed really into it. I mean, like he has a whole <laughs> vibe, which is his granite kitchen, which is to his credit is like a really nice kitchen. That is, see, there's, there's a Facebook group that I'm in that is like LA based, but there's a guy on it who I won't even say his nickname, but like there's, there's a guy on it who has a nickname because he'll do the same thing where he deletes and then re-uploads a profile with like the same photos, but his name changes, but he, yeah, yeah. His age usually stays the same, but his name changes and he uses the same rotating lines on people. Like there's two lines that he uses on people. And so we've all started like like opening like matching with him on purpose but opening conversations with one of those lines that's exactly what i'm saying right (laughs) especially when you go to like a town that's smaller not a small town but like almost every city is smaller than new york but um you go to a town that's a little bit smaller and you're like oh my gosh like the odds of like someone coming up and like you already knowing all these people yeah Really, and like knowing something about them that's fun because again I always make sure that I keep the show really really kind and just goofy because I never want it to be like someone stands up and says something that's just like super mean like that's not the vibe of the show people get right. it but something like that is really fun to just be like oh my god that guy has used the same opening line on 20 of my friends <laughs> please, please say that opening line to him and like it's so fun to have him just be like what the fuck and it's on a screen so like it's all happening live and- <laughs> And it's like, you know, whatever. I, I really like to, I think, I think a good portion of the time it's like, they're laughing, they're laughing with me because a lot of times the guys will write back, like I'm saying really silly stuff. Like that's the thing too. Like whenever people haven't seen the show and their concern is like, Oh, does it get mean? And I'm like, I'm telling these guys I'm trapped in the woods in a can of beans. If they want to unmatch me, I'm not forcing anyone to talk to me. If you want to talk to a girl who's trapped in a can of beans, I'm letting you do that. Okay? You're opening that door. I'm opening the door. Let me tell you something. They all do. And the great thing is, like, you know, there is there's so much level of consent on dating apps in terms of if you're like, this girl really is trapped in this can of beans. If they want to unmatch me, they can, you know? Like, <laughs> you know? So it's like whatever. And you know, I feel like, I feel like the, the great thing is these guys, I guarantee it's one of the best conversations they're, they're like ever going to have on Tinder is because it's such a wild ride. So I always, oh, yeah. I like to imagine these guys the next day being like, yeah, I talked to this girl last night. She said she was trapped in a van. I don't know. We talked for like two hours. Like, <laughs> like I can't imagine anything but really funny and like a good bar party story for them later. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, you know, they're probably screenshotting this and sending it to their friends being like, I'm talking to this, I'm talking to a girl. She's, yeah. she's trapped in a can of beans. Right, exactly. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> the beans. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. She's hot. She seems down. If she, told me, she told me if she can get out of the beans, we're going we're gonna to go have sex. So <laughs> I'm kind of into it. Like, you know, it's like, it's like a new kink. It's like, I think it'll be really good for me to explore my own personal <laughs> <laughs> so so silly and you know it's just it's just really 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 fun and I think that I hear from so many women who are like it has made me realize I don't have to take things that seriously when I'm on dating apps because you do you kind of like overanalyze everything you say and like are you coming off yes. the that, women are like, yes yeah and then women see tinder live and they're like man even if I said the weirdest thing to them, now I know it wouldn't mess up anything. And I'm like, yup. 
You're like, and here is the big life lesson. True fact. <laughs> I mean, we're like, I didn't know, like there are educational aspects. Like men will see the show and they'll be like, oh my God, I had no idea that like doing this thing on Tinder was making me sound like this or look like this. Like, cause I truly believe like a big part of Tinder life is, you know, a big part of it is, uh, you know, I want it to be this, like, you don't stop laughing for the entire show comedy show, but I also, you know, and something that like brings people together, but I also want it to have an educational feel that's like, Hey, I'm going to choose to believe that like most of the people on dating apps, most of the men on dating apps are like really good people. And they just don't know that their profiles are coming off horribly and that they have made awful decisions. And (laughs) here are the better decisions that you could be making to portray. Because sometimes it's rare, but sometimes someone has an awful profile and we start talking to him and we're like, wait, this guy seems awesome. Right. You know? So it's just, it, it really it's really interesting to go down these roads and just like, cause I only swipe on the guys you'd pretty much never swipe on. And it's like, what would it be like if you swiped on this <laughs> guy with cornrows whose name is Amen? Like what would happen? And I show you what would happen. Cause I've literally <laughs> talked about that. <laughs> That's, you know, it, it pinged in my brain, like two different things. Like one is that I, one of my friends who's an artist named Celine, who's rad. Um, I'll send you her profile. Uh, yeah. She hosts on her story, what she calls fish Fridays where people will send in, because she does gesture drawings, and people will send in Tinder or Bumble or Hinge profiles of men inexplicably holding giant fish. Oh, yeah, totally. That's, that was a thing. I think there, there might have been a Tumblr about that at some point, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she does, like, gesture drawings of them that then you can, like, send back to said men if you'd like. And it, it literally, it highlights the same thing of, like, how did we come up with this completely absurd trope that, like, what does it signify that on your dating profile you're holding a giant fish? What does that even mean? What are you Dude, trying to tell us? Absolutely. So um, I, years ago, I think it was like 2015, I made a, a Tumblr called Male Feminists of Tinder. And I started doing them on my Instagram now. Um, but it's basically when men in their profile will specifically list feminist or feminism, like will showcase that in their profiles. And, you know, people either immediately get why it's funny or they don't. Every now and again, I get someone who's like, who's like, wait, are we making fun of men for being feminists? I'm like, no, but it is really fucking weird to in your profile be like, interesting food, pizza, feminism, coffee, <laughs> like what? <laughs> Why are you putting this in here? You only listed three things that feminism was one of them. Like, and it's like just one of those, it also is suspect because many, many women know firsthand, I'm one of them, that a lot of men I've known who like, gone out of their way to talk about what feminists they were had major issues with women and it was like really weird that they were because it really ends up being this this way of like if I come on the show and I'm like I'm such a nice person I'm the nicest person I'm so nice all I ever do is stuff and you're like why are you talking like this yeah you're like you sound aggressively not nice Right. And it's the same, that's the same vibe, whether intentional or not. Again, these men could be great just as the fish men could be great, but it's like very weird that you've just been like, I'm a feminist. I believe you guys deserve equal rights. I really do. It's like one of the things I believe. Ah, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just like, you're amps at an 11. We need you at a six. Exactly. And it's just like, <laughs> I'm so glad you should be a feminist. Everyone should be a feminist. Yes. But why is this in your dating profile? It's so intense. Like, <sighs> I think women should be paid the same. Do you want to, am I supposed to have sex with you? What, what is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of like that to me should be like the baseline as opposed right. to like a special interest. Yes. It just, to me, it really is the equivalent of like having in your profile, like my interests include pizza, not being racist. Like, why are you Good, good. I'm glad. (laughs) Why'd you say that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I I don't know if you found this, but as you were saying, um, I found that sometimes the people who, well, sometimes the people who are uh, cis men that speak out about it most then don't apply it to their personal life. And that confuses the ever living heck out of me. Not everyone, not all men. Um, But oftentimes if they're like, I'm really into feminism. I'm going to low-key be a misogynist towards you. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, what? Like, so, many, so many women have experienced that where, like, men make that such a, um, 
yeah, I mean, I've, I've experienced really, really, really dark sides of that. So I was really grateful that when, when the Tumblr came out, it was like people immediately got it and they were like, oh, hell yes. And I was like, okay, good. I don't need to like explain what I mean, why I'm compiling these. Um, people just immediately were like, yup. And then now that I've started doing it on my Instagram, I have noticed very occasionally. And it's interesting. Sometimes it's women who are like, wait, are we making fun of them for being feminist? And I'm like, nope. No. But, no. you know, if you if you if you don't see why it's at the very least kind of cartoonish or at least suspect or like and the number, the number of guys. So it's like, you know, it's it's definitely something that's that's weird. Yeah, it's like just show me that you're a feminist by treating me and right exactly. Or you could respect? just like be really great question me. mark. Right, you could just be really great to the women in your life. Like yeah, because, because the the sad thing is at this point in culture, like I wish. Okay, I think that's that's what it is, right? It's like I wish that I could see a profile and a man could write, "I'm a feminist. I'm interested in feminism," and that like I wish that like shitty men hadn't ruined that it'd be really nice to be able to see that on a profile and be like, oh my God, hell yeah. He loves eating pussy. He believes in equality. Like, (laughs) (laughs) things I want it to signal. Right. But it doesn't. And we know that enough women know that it's like, it can mean really weird things or it can be used in kind of a duplicitous way. Like, you know, I think every woman would love there to be a word that you could see in a profile that means that someone is safe and and respects you who wouldn't want that that's what that's what we would all want it's just that unfortunately that's not it sadly that word is not feminism no i again i wish it was but it's like it's just been it's the same thing with nice guy you know it's like like it'd be great if I saw in a profile and was like, I'm a nice guy. And I'm like, yes. But it's like, now we know like nice guy is like, ah, (laughs) (laughs) run away. Right. It sucks. Again, it's just like, like, you know, it's a shame people had to to ruin that. Right. Right. It's a nice word. Too bad you had to go and ruin it. It's a great word. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And it, it, pinged in my brain also what you said about how you're like, yeah, I've been online dating for a long time. And I think that a lot of us low-key have, but none of us talked about it. And so I'm so stoked that you are talking about it because I think that it's really informed our culture. And now there's all these like think pieces now on like swipe culture and everything like that. But it started like before swipe culture. Like I was like, back in the old days of okay Cupid and things like that it wasn't I mean, just, it's still around it's still it's still popping it's still ex- we've met their partner on okay keep it in the last year or two yeah they changed to a swiping mechanism this is one of the great things about being a therapist is that like most of my work is with people with relationships so i basically get to like explore all the apps just to be like well what's going on like what the date people are not on them but uh okay cupid changed their format to swiping and you have to match to talk to each other and i was like actively annoyed about that i was like no guys that's uh (laughs) well it's like it's gotta be that it's like they know that it's like that's that's the culture now it's like you know that's 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 what everybody's that's what everybody is doing really it's like so it's like you have to adapt to being like well, this is clearly what people want. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm like, is it though? Um, on one yeah, hand, I mean, but it's gotta be, it's gotta be because the people are gravitating toward it. You know, I don't know. That is true. I, I guess their rationale was that it filtered out like unwanted messages. Um, because but, okay, hold on, because that's always a thing that I get really confused about. That's like a misnomer. And as somebody who like actively works in this space, no one is getting unwanted messages. I don't understand that. You have to match with somebody to have the message you. Exactly. Exactly. So unless, like, I know with, with old OkCupid, I think you could just get messages from anyone. But whenever people say like, oh, I like this one app because I don't get unwanted messages. And I'm like, you don't get them on other swipe. What? I just always- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that baffles me completely. Did that come yeah, up um, in your yeah. book? Like you had mentioned your book and I was like, did you end up talking about online dating in your book? And also I want to hear more about your book in general. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like I feel like it would be a very, very much of interest to you, um, especially if you work in relationships. Um, so yeah, um, it's called How to Be Alone If You Want to and Even If You Don't. And the reason that um, I titled it that is because we all know, like it, it goes without saying that we're at 
like peak loneliness really with everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think, uh, which is so interesting, you know, and there's been so many pieces written about like, but technology, and I'm like, if you don't see how that's made it harder then like, you don't, you don't get it. But, um, so the book is, um, you know, it's part, it's part memoir as a device to talk about a larger theme where, mm -hmm. um, so I, um, I raised myself. I have kind of like a complicated situation in terms of, I didn't, I didn't really have the family that you were supposed to have, which mm -hmm. um, has made everything so much harder for me in terms of interpersonal stuff where like it made it harder to have the friendships that I wanted to have the relationships that I wanted because, um, and, you know, I've come to realize through doing a lot of my own work that if that baseline is messed up, if you don't have like an incredibly solid family baseline, mm -hmm. um, it's going to make everything harder and it's going to make uh, every friendship you have mean way more than it might to the other person who might come from a great family. It's going to, um, you know, and there's all these things that can impact like who you're going to attract, what type of dynamics you're having. So I wanted to tell my story of like being a kid who really like was born into this world, being pretty alone and having to navigate, not getting what seemingly everybody else had um, mm -hmm. and being really obsessed. I was really obsessed with connection and I was a super like hopeless romantic Anne of Green Gables, you know, Matilda type of little kid who was like, mm -hmm. you know, really, really wanted to believe in love and connection because it was not my experience. Right. And um, so I, I go into a lot of those factors. I go into, you know, what your childhood is like when you don't have that. I go into like your teen years of like, okay, you don't have that at home. So you're seeking it externally. You're seeking it through love relationships. You're seeking it through like, you know, really explosive friendships. And like, what if you can't find it there either? Because you know, I didn't see my story being told anywhere. Most of the time, uh, people tell stories that are like, yeah, I had a crappy uncle and everyone else was great. Or like, yeah, I lost this one parent, but everybody else was so loving. And I was just like, fuck. Yeah, That's you're like, my story. Like, and I, I'm just, I got really sick of seeing it reflected as like the worst thing that could possibly happen is that you have one family member who's like sometimes not that nice. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like there are so many people who just are born into like so much worse than that. And, and again, you know, not to, I'm not trying to like play it, play a game over who has it worse, but it's just like, is it that it's too horrible to even talk about? Mm. Well, I want to talk about it because I you know, and then like, I also wanted to go into like attachment theory because I realized that, um, my attachment obviously was not going to be secure as a child. And, mm -hmm. um, so I talk a lot about attachment theory and how I've realized, you know, when I talk about a lot of my attempts at connecting with people and relationships I've had, and, you know, even the way that I've approached, um, work, like it just affects what you, what you were born into as a child affects everything. And there's like, you know, it's just, it really, really does. And I hadn't seen anyone really talk about that. And also I talk about like love languages and things like that in a way that's, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a therapist, but I am uh, somebody who has been doing this work. Like since I was like a little kid, I would like interview couples and like ask what made their relationships work. Like, I've always been a seeker and somebody who, you know, my path wasn't, I didn't want to become a psychologist, but I feel like, you know, I, I love when people tell me that like their therapist recommended how to be alone or they recommended how to be alone to their therapist or <laughs> talk about it in therapy because I feel like, you know, I've done so much work in that space on myself and it's all gleaned from like, me just wanting to like figure stuff out and be as good of a person as I can and, and, and as whole of a person as I can and figure mm -hmm. out how do I heal this? And then in telling my story, how do I maybe help heal other people who like, I always thought like, why have I not seen my story told? Why mm -hmm. does it not matter? Am I the only one who has felt it? Mm -hmm. And then I released the book 
about a year ago and I get hundreds of letters a week from people being like, I thought I was the only person on earth like this. Oh, well, I love that. I love that a book about how to be alone made you more connected. I'm like, that's it is me. Like, and they're more connected to me. I'm more, and like the craziest thing is sometimes there's people who like, they're like, I actually had a really great family, but I still struggle with a lot of these things and the way you talk about loneliness and the way you talk about dating apps and modern dating. And I talk a lot about like the ways we socialize the genders, like, and the ways that, you know, what we expect from men, what we expect from women. Um, I'm also queer. So I talk a lot about biphobia and queer dating and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all these things. And just, I just really wanted to process in like a funny way, but hopefully in a healing way too, the ways that we're trying to connect and it's not happening. And for me, I've, I've realized it really does like if you can't examine your childhood stuff, you're so screwed. I wish there was another answer, but there's not. Yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> I too wish that there was like a magical laser that I could just be like, boop, okay, you're good. But yeah, it sounds like in a way from what you're talking about that also informed like the multiplicity of careers because you're looking for connection in different places and not in a scattershot way, but in a way that you want that connection. I think so. I don't, I don't know that it was specifically one in connection for me, one connection in different ways. I think it was just that I had, I had so much to say mm-hmm. and I still, I, I still feel like that when I talk to other artists who are like, eh, you know, I don't really have that much to say. I just kind of want to do this and whatever. And I'm like, that's fine for me. I just had so much inside of me that like, you know, and, and that was just kind of the way that I, that I processed it, I, I guess, where, where it was like, I want to create things, you know, if, if, if art comes from pain, which it doesn't have to, and it doesn't always, and that can be a dangerous thing to believe that it's exclusively that, but I had so much pain Mm -hmm. and I had, I'm so grateful that I had so many artistic disciplines to filter it into that. Like, even now, like, um, uh, I was going through a really hard time. I still kind of am, but like, um, and I was, I couldn't figure out a way to make myself feel better. I couldn't figure it out. And, um, I finally like sat down at my keyboard and I was like, I'm going to, you need to write a song about this. And I wrote a song about it and I listened to it every day for weeks and it really healed. Like it really helped me heal <laughs> things like that, or it's like, you know, or I write a joke about it or like, but, but I think you might be, you might be kind of right in that the connection, it's not that you're doing it for a connection. I think that that's the thing that I would clarify for me. Yes. I'm doing it because I want these things to exist. I wrote How to Be Alone because I wanted it to exist. I write my It Was Romance songs uh, because I needed to write them. But then the extra magic of it becomes when people are like, oh my God, I listened to your song, but not forgotten. And it's exactly how this breakup feels. And I'm like, Really? I wrote it because I needed a song that described exactly how my breakup felt. <laughs> and now you're using it because it was so such a specific type of breakup and it healed me to, to hear that song. And now it's helping you heal in this way. And the same thing with how to be alone. It's like, so you're making in this way and the connection becomes stronger because you realize you're not alone and the things that are helping you heal, the things that have helped you process. And you feel that you hear that a lot with, um, with different artists who will say like, you know, like I helped you heal, but like you helped me heal. Like it's absolutely a thing. It's pretty amazing. Well, it's, it's amazing because a lot of times the details of our stories are different, but like the underlying emotions are often the same. So not that the details are unimportant, they're pretty critical, but it's like, it's the emotional undercurrent that people tap into that they're like, oh, I see this reflected in me. I feel this way too. So therefore, like, I get it. <laughs> like, Which is amazing. Like, I, I still, I still am, am baffled, especially when like, I'm having a low day and I'm like, I'm the weirdest person in the world. Nobody could ever relate to me. I'm so strange, blah, 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 blah. And then I'll like tweet about something or I'll post something on my Instagram story and I'll get people and who, who are just like, oh my God, I've been feeling that so much lately. And I'm like, you are literally like a stranger in Oklahoma city. And like, I don't even know you, but like, I made you feel less alone. You made me feel less alone. This is so, 
I think that's the one really powerful thing. As much as the internet has absolutely made us more isolated, it just has. Mm-hmm. It also has this incredible power to connect. Like that's that's a big part of I don't know how I was able to um, realize that it was okay to have multitudes. Was like originally mm-hmm. for me on Twitter because like I used to just be like a, a jokes Twitter, and I would just I would just post jokes, and I would kind of want to post stuff that was about relationships or mental illness or you know queer issues or whatever and I would think nope just jokes people don't want to hear that from you they <laughs> jokes. or I would want to post I would want to post my music because I hadn't put out yeah. music yet and I was like I wanted to show like I also do this music it's not joke music it's real you know it's, I'm very serious about it right but I think right. Special, would you allow more from me and the more I kind of started to peek my head out and be like, Hey, I also want to do this. And people would be like, yeah, we like it. I'm like, you do. Okay. All right. Again, not that it, not that it should matter, but it it does matter. Well, it matters. (laughs) I think it's that authenticity and also that like that drive to create it. I interviewed um, the musician Rob Graves and he was talking about how a lot of people when they're teaching creativity, they're actually teaching discipline. And he's like, well, if you have to like, think of, oh, well, how do I sit down and write this? Like, you should probably be doing something else. (laughs) What you're talking about sounds more like, oh, no, I have to do this. I am, like, compelled to do this. And that sounds like, to me, it's like an authentic expression of you. And so people see that and they're like, I feel that in me too. Like, I, I feel like it feels trite, but it's like when someone is just authentically expressing themselves for themselves, people connect to that. And that's really cool. Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, I used to, cause there's like factors that, that are interesting. Like I used to teach, um, workshops on procrastinating, um, which is something I don't struggle with as much anymore, but I did for a long time. And it was, I, but I think it's, it, it goes hand in hand with that where it's like, there's so much, um, that, that, you know, it's not, people don't want to do it. It's like right. other issues. And it, it reminds me of, I don't know. I, I think I've always been interested that's just something that's been interesting to me across all lines. Like when uh, I used to be a home organizer, like um, before there was like um, as much of like the Marie Kondo thing happening, although, you know, she was doing that for a long time, but before like it was, before it was the Netflix. A, a verb. Yeah. <laughs> like Marie Kondo. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, um, I would, I would do things like, like that, or it was like, all right, um, let me help you like declutter. And that was just because I, like her was always just really interesting really interested in like why people keep this. I mean, I guess maybe, I don't know. I don't know her, her background of that, but I just thought it was really fascinating. Like why people keep what they keep, mm-hmm. uh, why they just, why they can't get rid of certain things. Like it was so fascinating to me. So, and I just really love cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, want to come to my house? I just got a rotating spice rack. <laughs> I mean, that's also fair that's a little bit more chill than I am I also just like needed a way to make money and I was like I can organize rich people's homes that is that's so funny yeah like I definitely I as someone who literally discovered in the back of my drawer well I, I don't know what possessed me to clean out my silverware drawer but I discovered over a dozen mismatched forks and the thing is I work mainly from home I have an office but like when I record music it's in my home studio most of my therapy clients are on video. I have my office like one day a week. So like, they're not my forks. So I was thinking, I was like, which ex of mine secretly was taking forks from their workplace and stashing them in the back of my silverware drawer, mind you. Like they weren't in the main part. Has that, oh, has that really happened? Yeah, I, I, could, I, I took a photograph of it. I thought it was so strange. There were like a dozen mismatched forks and like one udon spoon. Um, which baffles me because like, but then I realized that like I had acquired them because they were in my kitchen. So I was like, huh, if someone was going through my stuff, they'd be like, well, there's all this main silverware. And then there's like this mystery pile of forks in the back. And I was like, I didn't even know that they were lurking there. Weird. I'm really curious. What are the reasons that you found that people do procrastinate? Oh, it's so personal. I mean, usually it's feeling like they're not good enough. That's often it. Gotcha. And then, so a lot of the workshop is, is, is dissecting that and taking it apart so that it can't hurt you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, like, but so much of that is, is absolutely it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So, so much of everything that we do is, is, is self-worth. I mean, and that's, um, that's, I mean, I, I think that that's something that I'm, I explore across everything, like how to be alone and it was romance songs and Tinder live and, and all these things are all, what was I told I deserve? How was I told to behave? Um, what am I allowed to want? Like, these are all, and like, why do I have those beliefs? Mm. And who told me that? And do I still listen? Like, those are all, those are all the things that I want to explore in my work because I want to, you know, um, I want to untangle that for myself and for everybody. You know, it's like, you're trying to free yourself so you can free everybody else in that way. Not that, you know, not in a weird way. (laughs) (laughs) Where it's like, it is my job to do this. But I think that that, but it's kind of like that, you know, we're all just walking each other home idea where it's like, ideally, the more we are able to liberate ourselves, the more we're able to help liberate others. And then, you know, I think at its, even if it sounds a little bit precious, I think that that is kind of the point. Yeah. (laughs) Because I liked what you said about like, you know, what are the stories I'm telling myself? But last you said like, and do I have to listen to them? Because I think that's key because sometimes we're all going to tell ourselves like really mean stories about ourselves. Um, but like, do we have to listen to those? The answer is uh, no. No, but it, it can take a lot of work to figure out how to get that tape to stop playing. Exactly. Or it'd even be like, oh, hey, tape, I see you there. I can yep. see you. I don't Yeah, to even to know what the tape is. Right. Right. Is a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love that you're exploring that. And I think that that's like an amazing through line in your work, because like you're saying that like people, you know, kind of like don't really get the multi-hyphenate or in LA people are like, sure, but are you really a barista? Um, And also if you are a barista, rad, you can be a barista and do all those things too. Right. Exactly. Um, It's frustrating because it's like, you want to hold both parts of like, Hey, I was all these things even before anybody said I was allowed to be. Right. Right. Because it's like you allowed yourself to be. I was just like, yeah. oh, it goes back to your doors that open other doors. Open totally. Doors. And it's also silly to think that like, you know, you, you know, like Beyonce only became Beyonce once she had this. It's like, no, like Beyonce was probably Beyonce at like 10. Right. Oh, you know? and Oprah was probably Oprah at 10 to some degree. Like, it's really silly that we make it like, like, can you, you know, I, I don't know, just the idea of like, of, of telling some like incredible author or performer when they were like 15, it's like, yeah, but what do you really do is really funny. Cause it's like, yeah, they don't do it yet. Right. But, right. You know, they're gonna, so they have it in them. And yes. why do we only allow it when this happens? Even young artists, like, um, it's interesting because like Billie Eilish, like just turned 18. She's super young. But then there's like all this footage of her from when she was a little right. kid doing... <laughs> I was like, it's okay. Your phone's on an adventure. Um, There's all this footage of her from when she was a little kid, like singing, writing songs, dancing, like doing all of the stuff that she's doing. So it's essentially like she did put in all of this prep work. She just already was that from when she was a kid. Well, and that's, that's why, like, I've been, I've been doing stand-up since I was like six years old. I've been writing songs since I could speak. Like I've been, you know, was I doing it at the comedy store? No, I was doing it in Sunday school though, every single week. And like, uh, that's that's pretty <laughs> some remarkable shit and like I was you know I put out my first record when I was like nine like I I made it myself on my computer and like you know like I've been doing this stuff my whole life so you know and everyone's story doesn't follow it like that but um but yeah so it's like all those years that I was like oh I'm kind of and it's like dude you've been doing this so no Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It took me a long time to own that I actually was a music producer despite producing my own music for over 10 years, but like never thought of myself as a producer, which was bizarre. And then oh, that's like, totally, yeah. It. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hold up. <laughs> yeah, straight up. I like, so I, I directed um, all my music videos and then it was like, I, um, I had a friend of mine who, um, who was a director and he was like, one day he told me, he was like, oh, I was recommending you for a job. And I was like, Lynn's an incredible actor and performer. And she's actually one of the best directors I've ever seen. And I was like, what? It was just like having somebody, you know, um, in the industry be like, you're an incredible director was like, 
shit, which just really, just really meant a lot to me that it was like, Aww. it wasn't like, oh yeah, she's an incredible performer and she directed her music videos. It was like, no, she's a really talented director. And I was like, this just feels nice. Thank you exactly. for saying that because <laughs> if, you, if you directed something, you're a director. And especially if you're doing really dope things, like, come on. Exactly. And to, in some ways it's interesting because you did like open that door for yourself, but then it is really nice when someone else recognizes that door. Right. Exactly. Just because, <laughs> you know, just because you weren't, yeah, I, I don't really, I don't see the, I don't see the difference. Um, yeah. I love that. I was like, man, now I want to watch your music videos. I got to read your book. <laughs> There's a lot of homework that comes with getting to know me, which I really like. <laughs> I did think it was funny. I sent my music to someone and uh, they were just like, wow, this is so you, but also like, are you, it was some of my singer songwriter stuff. They were like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm great. Why? They're like, oh, that song was just like really sad. I wanted to make sure you were okay. And I'm like, you know, it's a one, it's okay to be sad. I was just like, and also like that song expresses like one moment. I was like, that's, it would be oppressive if that was literally my whole life. But in the same way where it's like, if you have all this material, you can be like, yeah, these are all these different facets. Like they're all me, but none of them are like the totality. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do remember, <laughs> it's funny too, like when I, um, I had some friends from comedy, like before the record had come out and I was, you know, I was like, just had just started playing shows and stuff like that. And just found, finally found a band and I had some, uh, comedians um come and see my band play and I will never forget it them saying like you like really do this like you guys are really good and I was like yeah I, I know yeah <laughs> because it was just this like you know you don't want to tell someone like I'm in a band and we're really good like you don't want to say that because it just sounds like you know it's like the feminist of tinder thing um <laughs> that's exactly you, know, you want to show and not tell but it's like how do you say like actually I really do all these things and I think I do them really well and you know and it's like even you know that's why I like that people are finding these things on their own and I'm not you know pushing anybody to do it but it's like you know it's and it's also it's not like I'm like a pizza restaurant that does incredible sushi like it's all similar stuff I don't know it's just like but I will never forget that moment of like seeing in person like the awe in someone's eyes of like even if I didn't, like, if, if this wasn't you and I, like, hadn't come to see you, I would love to stand. And I'm like, I agree. Good. I'm glad you can see that. <laughs> Isn't it strange when, like, all of a sudden people recognize your competency and you can see it happen and you're like, I don't know why this is a surprise, but I'm also glad that you see this. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know. That's yeah. So you're like, it's not like I'm offended by this, but, like, yeah, this is pretty awesome. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that's, it's been a powerful, it's been a powerful moment when you feel seen like that and you don't feel like you have to prove it as much as nice. Yes. Yes. And it doesn't feel like what you're talking about, like, does seem like you genuinely wanted to do those things for yourself and that it had the great side benefit of being like, by the way, this stuff is rad. Exactly. Like everything I, everything I make, I want to, um, I want to make it because it's something that's healing for me and I think would be helpful to other people too in the same way that the art that I've consumed has been helpful, uh, has been, you know, I've, that's what's gotten me through my life has been really incredible art. And, uh, you know, I want to be one of, I want to be one of the, I want to be on the other side of it too. Oh, would that be, cause I was going to ask you like, what would your advice be to either a younger you or a younger artist that's just getting started out on any of these paths? But it sounds like I mean, that's really solid advice right there. You kind of preempted my question. <laughs> yeah, I guess it'd be that. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess it'd be that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I already answered it psychically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I should let you brave the grocery stores of New York City. Yes, I know. <laughs> you are. Um but thank you for joining me on Why Not Both. It has been illuminating and fantastic. And I really, really hope you come to LA with the Tinder live show. I am. Yeah, I'm coming there in May, man. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss it. So yeah, and if, if people want to see um, all the tour dates, there's like 30 to 40 that are already up and I'm still adding more. Um, they're at lanemore.org. Because um, lanemore.com, I think, was taken by like no one, but it was just like <laughs> taken. Um, <laughs> or my, uh, 
I'm on Twitter and Instagram at hello lane more. And there's also a, um, uh, at Tinder live on Instagram too. So just there's all the things hang out on the internet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you can find, you know, you can find it was romance. You can find that. You guys know how to Google things. <laughs> right, right. We're all stuck inside right now. It's fine. Oh, well, thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. We are also on social media at WNB the podcast, and that's on Instagram and on Twitter. Thank you again to Under the Radar Magazine for presenting our episodes this season. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Thanks also to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally an email ninja. Hope to see you guys next week, and I hope that you enjoyed this episode. 